Hey everyone, uh, thanks for joining again. Today I'm speaking with Sadia Hamid again, and Sadia is a spokesperson for the Council of Ex-Muslims of Britain. And today we were going to talk about Isla the terms Islamism, Islamist, and Islamophobia. Hi Sadia, thanks for coming back on. Hi, thank you for having me again. Uh, so how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, pretty good. So yeah, uh, Islam is, uh, Islamism. And Islamophobia. So I know, like in the UK, you guys just had a government, or there was a, a definition of Islamophobia that was like seventy some odd pages, and then the the government just like I think May's government just rejected it, right? But yeah, that was so, really scary. Yeah, interesting stuff's been happening actually. So last year, November, there's something called an all-party parliamentary group for British Muslims. So that usually means that they are, you know, that there's members of all parties in this group they just agree on this one issue so they've come together this band of idiots and decided um that they, that they need a definition for islamophobia for the uk is a pretty appalling definition some of the things that they've said are pretty outrageous on the one hand throughout the document they claimed that it um it wasn't going to attack free speech. But on the other hand, in their conclusion, they summed up and said that if you say that Islam was spread by the sword or that Muhammad was a pedophile, which is just fact, or that, um, uh, you know, basically if you deny certain facts about Islam or even have discussions around certain facts about Islam, that you are going to be deemed Islamophobic. So thankfully, in the actual document, the Crown Prosecution Service, which is, you know, our criminal justice service, said that we already have legal provisions for religious bigotry, so we are not going to be adopting this definition. We don't think this definition is needed. I do agree, um, and we do. We have already got robust protection for somebody discriminated on the basis of their religion. What we don't have protection for, by the way, is somebody who's discriminated against on the basis of no religion, like, you know, um, honor killings or honor-based violence or attacks on atheists, non-believers, ex-Muslims, Garfers, whatever you want to call them. Um, we don't have any protection for them, so never fucking mind them. You know, we want to only protect the most extreme nut jobs within our communities. Um, but also there's been a conversation around whether we want to call it, we want an anti-Muslim bigotry definition. Again, for me on a personal level, I, I actually think it's going to be counterproductive because then what you're saying is this special group needs special protection. And actually for me, I don't think it's helpful to give special protection to anybody. If you want to create laws around equality and diversity, that's fine. You know, if you're saying we need to protect people if they're abused on the basis of their religion and no religion, happy days i've got no problem with that but if you only want to protect people on on the basis of their religion and you want to give special privileges and special protections to people well then that starts causing problems people start thinking well, well what about my protection why is it only that you're protecting certain people within our community no that's that's 100 correct i mean i i same thing like or i shouldn't well at least i think it's correct um i don't want you know you can say that um, okay, any issue, right? So you can say, okay, well, religious people are protected to practice a religion, and that's included in the right to the individual. But yeah, like you said, you don't have to create a new law 
new set of standards. Um, the term Islamophobia to me is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, if you want to call the hate that someone spews at some, you know, someone else, uh, you know, like any individual spews at a Muslim, you can call that anti-Muslim bigotry or anti-Muslim hate as a definition of what it is. But to create a new law around it, um, I mean, like, uh, you know, this this started as well in Canada. This started as well in the United States. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, they, they don't give out proper definitions, at least. At least not in Canada, they haven't. Um, it's still very, very vague. You know, it's as much as I didn't like what your government put out, at least, I mean, they went into detail and told you exactly what they were thinking. The Canadian government still hasn't told us that. Yeah, actually, it was interesting. So throughout the documents, some incidents, some uh, racial, racially aggravated incidents were painted as Islamophobic incidents. And I think that was intentional. Um, and And it's interesting that they keep trying this i mean the women the woman that kind of has been spearheading this for the last couple of you know for the last decade and a half say davarsi this is her you know this is her wet dream as it were like this is this is something that she's been fantasizing fantasizing over for so long and it's come it's become something material in her hand the sad thing is and the funny thing at the same time so every single left-wing party in this country has adopted it unanimously without question. The only party that hasn't adopted it or the only parties that haven't adopted it are the right-wing parties, which is shocking to me because then that means I've got no political representation at all. And funnily enough, the only party that I would never vote for in my entire life has come out and said that this hasn't given us any provision for Ahmadi Muslims her is a danger because it it's too uh, vague and obscure, and that um, it would be it would risk our work in anti-terrorism and anti-extremism work. They're the only ones talking about it rationally. Every left-wing party is like they've got shit for brains right now. They're not thinking clearly. They're not behaving appropriately you know uh somebody contacted me from the centrist party the liberal democrat party and said you know the party adopted it without any discussion without putting it to a vote without you know any um just any interaction with any of its members even um and he wants to try and have that decision reversed but he is a minority and he's probably actually at risk for trying to even do it yeah, but that's that's what i mean like a lot of these things it's you know, like, like the the as far as I'm concerned, the new racism is the anti-racism. Um, it, yes. it, it goes too far, but it's it, you know they come at you like, well, you know, if you don't sign this, you're racist. Do you want to be racist? It's like no, no one wants yeah. to be racist. I mean, there okay, obviously there are certain individuals who want to be racist, and but the vast majority of people on a day to day basis don't want to be racist. It just and they put it that in those terms and. So if you're not someone who follows up on this and you're not someone who reads or, you know, follows these things closely, you know, you're going to say, no, I don't want to be racist. Of course, I'm going to sign this or, you know, I'll sign this petition or I'll, you know, join this movement or whatever, right? It, because it's it's ignorance and it's, I, I don't know what it is with the left wing. Um, I, like what I've, from what I've been seeing in the UK and in Canada and the United States, left wing used to be mostly about protecting workers. And now it's just gone to, like these crazy extremes and it's 
but that that doesn't exist anymore. That absolutely doesn't exist anymore. The uh, the workers' movement, nobody cares about workers. What what the Conservative Party did during the last election, they started talking about. You okay? Yeah, yeah go ahead. They started talking about uh, working people. That was a really interesting thing that they did, and it was really, I think it in part it was intentional. They started trying to claim that they were the people that they were the party of the working classes what they did was create this fracture another fracture between mm. in the working classes so that of the worker and the non-worker working class so within that so in the working classes whether you've got a job or whether you're you're on uh, on welfare both of those groups by the end of the month, have no money left over. Your rent is paid, your bills are paid, you've bought your food, you've bought all the necessities that you have for the month, you're fuck all left over at the end of the month. What the Tory party successfully did in this country was divide those two communities and, and, and breed a contempt in the working working classes against those non-working working classes. And what the Labour Party did, they hear the, uh, the Conservative Party talking about uh, workers, you know, we're the party for working people, and they backed off and they thought, well, you know, they're they're now talking about working people, so we can't be for workers, can we? Because uh, never mind that that was our roots. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll become the party of radical fundamentalist religious fuckwits. No, we're not going to represent anybody uh, from this country that desperately needs us. And if this, the devastating thing is, had they stuck with their roots of being for working people, they would have created solidarity amongst all communities. Because people were, you know, coming out and doing solidarity action in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, on the, the last time I think was in the 90s. But now, none of that. We're so, so damaged as a society and this has all come from the left actually this um turning their back on um on working class people and rejection of class politics has meant that we've all been screwed over royally yeah i mean okay i it's about the left it's you know same thing and it's it's in some ways it's kind of like well the the right or the conservatives agree that this is right then just by dint of agreement from the opposite side it must be wrong i mean i thought there's a whole point yeah. of politics was to get the other side to agree with what you're saying right i mean i it just think they words are changed but i mean it's it's something i'd said a while ago and it gets back to the islamophobia thing and stuff like that it's you know it's it's great to have an open society but not so open that you let your own values fall out right you let and and that's what they're doing um okay i wanted to get back to this thing now i read it but it's been a i read it like i think um earlier like around january that's when i first saw a copy of it and yeah i can't remember if they mentioned the terms islamism or islamist because those are two other terms that just drive me crazy because i i just think they they i wish majid had never started popularizing them um yeah because they're just so useless they, they cause so yeah. much problems yeah for me personally i don't actually see the difference between like <laughs> For me, the bar for fundamentalist Muslim is so damn low. If you think that uh, women should be covered up 
if you're having any conversation about a woman's position in comparison to a man's position, you go in that bracket of, uh, of Muslim fundamentalist. If you have any conversation around, you know, well, it's okay to be gay, but you can't have gay sex. So even that, not even that it's a sin to be gay, but it, you know it's okay to be gay, but you can't have gay sex. If you're scouts, you know, dancing around those those ideas, I instantly put you in the uh, in the group of Muslim fundamentalists, and I I don't see much of a difference between that and Islamist. Like they've they've kind of tried to create you know different categories of fundamentalists and Islamist and jihadist and all of that. And actually, most Muslim fundamentalists. They sympathise with jihadists, so yeah. I don't. I don't see no, no. a difference. Yeah, it, and it's true. I mean, like, okay, um, you know, Islamism is using politics to get Islam into power. Islamist is someone who wants to use politics. I mean, these are ridiculous definitions, and like, like you're saying, yeah. like they. I mean, I think maybe I contributed this, and other friends, and I, not knowingly, but we were speaking out about, against terrorism because that's the most visual yeah. thing. And and I think we might have done ourselves a disservice because we pushed this idea of the the extremist, the terrorist. Whereas yeah. you know we should have been talking more about things like okay, you know the thing like making treating women like second class citizens is wrong. This is a you know fundamentalist thing from religion. Um, yeah. Same thing like uh, what's going on in Birmingham right now. Oh, it's okay to be gay, but just don't tell the children. Like you know things like that. Yeah. Like you know it's. These are, like you said, they're 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 part of the fundamentals of the religion, and that's what the danger is. More, I mean, the terrorism is a danger. Like you don't get me wrong, but on a, on your day to day life, on what happens every day, it's these little things that are dangerous. And you know, people in the states uh, and in Canada, there's care and Isna, and they want to they want to use the local politics and they want to use the local system to create these silly definitions of Islamophobia or what racism is or whatever. And it's just, those are the threats. And I mean, like Majid yes. saying, oh, well, Islamism is people trying to use, um, you know, politics to get, uh, to, to get Islam supreme. I mean, I mean, we have a term for that. It's theocrat. In the States, they talk about the religious right. You know, there's a yeah. group in the States called the Dominion Christians and sometimes they call themselves Reconstructionist. And their whole, and they have some members, they have like, they have reach in the Senate and the Congress in the States, and they want to bring back the laws of the Ten Commandments. I mean, we call these people theocrats. We call them, you know, it's political Christianity. I've never heard the term yeah. Christianism for them. Or, no. you know, like the, the religious parties in Israel, you don't hear Judaismism. I mean, it's, it's, and no. it's, why are, ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you giving Islam a special protection? It doesn't need it. We have words yes. that are perfectly good. And I find that, these words do more damage than any good. And it's, they seem to have lost all meaning. Sorry, I'm just rambling here. But like, you know, I no, used to, no, no. I used to hear, okay, an Islamist wants to use politics, a terrorist wants to use violence. And then I start hearing yeah. things about the violent Islamists. I'm like, but I thought that was a terrorist then. I mean, it was like he was redefining them as he was talking about them. And, and I want to, I, I want to get one last thing out here. It's a lot of people think, and I used to think it too, until I looked into it, that Majid came up with these words. And I don't think he, disabuses people of that illusion because he didn't. Islamism has yeah. been around since the 1600s, that term. It used yeah. to be called Islamus or something like that. You know, it's... Yes, it was. It yeah. was. I've got some, I've got some like, books from, like, years and years and years ago, well before Majid's time, 
that exactly say you know that, that use the term Islamism and and that kind of uh, those kind of terms. However, what I think this has done, uh, what these these new terms have done, is given um, given uh, let let certain fundamentalists off the hook. You know that you have to be that extreme to be categorised as an Islamist and then be considered a threat and considered for your ideas to be considered dangerous. You know that um, even somebody who doesn't—I'm kind of trying to think about what I'm what I'm trying to say actually—that um, that you know even like some of the some of the some of the more minor disgusting ideas aren't dangerous enough to be considered radical and and dangerous for me is a bit of a problem because we know that they that there are so many um normal muslims that think that women should be covered and women's movements should be restricted and women should only be able to marry someone that their family and community approve of um like that to me that that feels like extremism and i don't think it's useful to to create this fracture within our communities um because then we can't address some of the minor things these guys aren't you know terrorists but they are radicals in their own way um and that needs to be addressed you know um yeah okay I'll, I'll, sorry i'll give you one quick example and i'll let you go on it's uh it was i don't want to mention names or trying to get too specific because some of the people involved are still alive, but it was um, through someone I knew through the family. Um, their daughter was marrying an American guy who was an atheist and wasn't going to convert to Islam on the wedding day in front of myself, my parents and the bride's mother. This person said that not only is it my right, but my duty as a Muslim to kill both of them. And this was someone who I'd known since as a child, it was like someone very close to the family and they taught me about critical thinking and to hear that coming out of his mouth. Yes. I mean, if you'd spoken to this person your whole life, you would have yeah. just said, okay, very moderate, very liberal, you know, in, in, in line with Western values. And then this comes yeah. out of their mouth. And I, I obviously didn't act on it. My, my father looked at him and said, are you crazy? What are you talking about? But th that is an extremist view. And, but yeah. you would no way by any kind of measure of definition of Islamist or Islamism, you wouldn't have, you know, called him an Islamist. And so, no. like you said, he gets no. off scot-free. Exactly, exactly that. So the bar for these definitions and these kinds of ideas is too high. I don't think it's useful. For me, there's two categories. That's it. There's jihadists because their actions are very, very obvious, right? Their actions of violence are very, very kind of like they're there. You can't deny that there's a slight difference. And then the other one is Muslim fundamentalists, and that's it. Um, and that's what we have for Christianity. We have the Christian fundamentalists. Actually, we probably should just have two categories of fundamentalists and not, not so batshit crazy and the liberal progressive ones that just get on with their life and they, they don't interfere with anybody else's life because largely the fundamentalists although they don't commit the the jihadi crimes this they tend to be sympathetic of them you know my 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 gran used to talk about um how uh, she told me when i was very very young that it is a muslim's duty to fight back when their religion is under attack. I was a fucking toddler when she was telling me stuff like this. So, um, although she's never committed any jihadist uh, attacks herself, she is sympathetic 
of that sort of thing, which for me, you know, what is that other than incitement to violence? She's oh. telling the child that she's going to grow up thinking that. Okay, I worked in um, I worked in Bosnia, then I worked in Afghanistan. Uh, I did work with the military. Uh, there was always civilian. When I was first going to Bosnia, that was my first time overseas. And a lot of my family was like, oh, good, you're going to go help the Muslims there. The Muslims need a lot of help in Bosnia. And I said, look, I'm going there to work for the military, set up communication systems. But they're like, oh, you're going to go yeah. help Muslims. And then I was, then my company asked me to transfer to Afghanistan. And they're yeah. like, oh, my God, you're going to go fight Muslims. I'm like, why do you make it about that? <laughs> it's just, like, why I'm, uh, that? <laughs> Never it's, mind innocence, the, the kind of loss of humanity but yes no i understand yes and i mean it's, it's the same thing too like i heard when you know with the whole asia Bibi thing and thankfully she's in canada now um but mm. you know after she got uh they they overturned her decision but they were still keeping her in jail because they were trying to decide what it is and it's like all oh, the islamist government in pakistan is thinking about the blasphemy laws i'm like no it's an islamic government you know they're not looking at it islamistically you know, there, there is, yes. you know, they're looking at it Islamically and it's the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. It's, you know, the, the Islamic Republic of Iran and Afghanistan. They don't, they're not called the Islamist republics. So, yeah. you know, like, like I said, I find the biggest thing with these terms is that they get the language wrong and that they, to me anyways, it's just people are confused now. I think people are so confused about what, what's what. And so if you yeah. say, oh, well, you know, he's an extremist Muslim or something. Oh, no, no, he's an Islamist. Like, you go, know, you don't be racist. It's like they don't know what they're no. talking about. And I, I think like, again, these terms feed into uh, divisions. These terms feed into, you know, I just think mass confusion. Again, it, in my mind, it's like, why do you want to give Islam a place of privilege over other religions? We have terms like, like I said, someone who wants to set up a caliphate is a theocrat. You don't need anything else. No, you don't. You're right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because um, uh, like, like you said, we don't actually have this term for Christianity, you know, the Christian, uh, the Crusades, we didn't say that this was Christianism or, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the Christian version of Christ, uh, like Islamist would be or Islamism would be or even Jihadi would be. We just said it was Christian fundament fundamentalism. So let's just stick with the one term and divide that on on the basis of who's batshit crazy and who's not batshit crazy and who's willing to have some conversations and who's not willing to have any conversations just to make our lives easier because then that way there's no shirking of responsibility because that's what's happening right now and also even in the definition of um islamophobia they were saying something that that is happening right now so <clears throat> In Britain, we do actually have some very, very worrying people in politics who I, I guess I would have described as as Islamists or Muslim fundamentalists. You know, you know, for example, um, the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, he gets into power and uses the ideals of women's rights to say, I'm no longer going to have like sexy women adverts on um on uh, on the tubes and in like public uh, you know in, in, in displayed around london because it's an abuse of women's rights he uses that to impose his religious ideals on everybody he doesn't give a shit about women's rights what he cares about is islam and he's made this his baby his baby was hate crime which is just as ridiculous as the islamophobia definition in the islamophobia lobby 
So basically, they're, they're now saying it's going to be, a, uh, it could potentially be an offence if this Islamophobia definition could be taken up by the criminal justice system, which I thankfully think it won't be, unless every single party adopted it and then debated it in Parliament. Mm. It actually can't become a criminal offence yet. But they, they're trying and they will carry on trying because this has been going on for years now. For it to have got this far is concerning enough. But... Um, I don't think that they're successfully going to be able to impose that as a definition and get, you know, a criminal. Uh, not yet. We're not quite there yet. And there's a lot of kickback. A lot of our groups are kicking back and uh, and such. But that they they also said within the definition that we wouldn't be able to say that um, Muslims are getting into politics to affect political decisions and you know laws, etc. Basically, they've said that we're not allowed to say what they're already doing. I, I mean, like I said, these things are coming out in a lot of places. They tried them in the states. Um, it didn't get. I don't think it got passed. I'd have to look back and check. But they wanted to do the same thing. Like if someone is, oh, yo, you can't use the words Islamic terrorism, or you, yo, yeah, and things like that. I mean, again, in the states, it's it's a different beast than the UK or Canada. Um, Yo, I I have no love of Elon Omar or Rashida Talib. Uh, they're, I mean, Rashida's a Palestinian, Elon's Sudanese, and I find yeah. them to be, you know, they they're they're pushing the same kind of agenda. They want to put, they want to create rules to give Islam some sort of special protections, um, and yo, know, but they couch it in, oh, anti hate. Uh, there was a thing with Elon Omar. She said something. She said something pretty stupid. Now, whether or not she was saying it because it was she is anti-Semitic, I mean, I I lean on the the side that she is, but whatever. I don't know her well enough. But then you know she comes, and then then so the Democratic Party was saying, okay, they were going to come up with a internal thing to to say, okay, we won't, we don't want to have anti-Semitism, and then she wormed her way into it. So did Rashida Tlaib to just, oh, we want to stamp out all hate. I mean, this happened within a day. It went from just being something opposed to anti-Semitism and then they included Islamophobia in there and it's just, you know, oh, these are just Islamophobic attacks against these two because people don't like Muslims. So it's, you've given them a protection, you've given them a shield. Anything they yeah. say that you disagree with, oh, no, no, you're just being a bigot, right? And yeah. let's, let's stop giving bigots shields. Yes, exactly. And we do do that all the time. We've got that here in here as well. But I do have to say, um, I think we need to be honest about anti-Semitism in Islam. Like, I remember the things that I was taught growing up, and we all have to start being being honest about this. We know our communities are very, very racist. The Pakistani community is very racist for certain. Um, but also, we also know that they are anti-Semitic. We know the things that they used to say in our household. We know, you know, uh, if you look at verse, uh, I think it's verse 6 or 7 in Surah, Surah Nisa, which is the first surah in, um, in the Quran, it talks about uh, the othering of Jews and Christians in the very first chapter, in the very first, on the very first page of the Quran, it others, uh, people of the, the other books. So although they claim that they care about people of the book, they don't. 
They really don't. And they're quite happy to discriminate against them. And they will lie to your face when you ask them about stuff like this. They'll say, no, 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 we're not anti-Semitic. We're not, you know, we don't hate all Jews. But then their actions are the, are the things that we judge them on. So in the Labour Party here, we've got someone called Naz Shah, who is a classic example of an anti-Semite um, and a racist and a bigot. But we're quite happy to allow her bigotry because it's coming from a Muslim fundamentalist. But when it when that same hate comes from somebody who's not Muslim, then they act on it much, much quicker. So we had, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was sacked from the Labour Party. I'm sure everybody will remember. Um, oh. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue but there was somebody else who'd done some uh, who'd said some anti-semitic things and he was sacked immediately and then now Shah says says something much much worse about how we should you know uh, all, all, all Jews should pretty much fuck off back to Israel and nothing no action because we're in this business of treating uh, radical Muslim fundamentalists as some kind of victims, which they are far from. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll give you an, an, uh, an example of that, the anti-Semitism thing. Uh, I worked in mm -hmm. Afghanistan for close to seven years. I was there uh, when all the riots started about the Danish cartoons. And I was one of the most scared I ever was there because, I mean, the people were coming up to the gates. But yeah. there, when they're then that about a year or so afterwards, there was another conflict between Israel and Hamas, and there's rockets flying back and forth. Uh, yeah. And then, the you know, again, the mullahs got people riled up and they started walking the streets. They didn't charge any of the bases like they did with the Danish cartoons. Um, but there was more people on the streets complaining about that. These people have never seen a Jew in their life. They don't know what a Jew no. is. They just know that they hate the Jews or they've been told to hate the Jews. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. my my grandfather in India, I remember him saying if something went wrong, it's like oh, Yodia, and it's like you know oh, the Jews, and it's like, and I'm like, have you seen one? Do you have you met a Jew? I mean, I, I was too young to ask him that, but you know, he yeah. never he'd never met a Jew in his life. No. <laughs> But this othering starts at such a young age that um, by the time they're adults, that hate is well and truly cemented in their minds, in their hearts. And then this this also, um, that then they start set off protecting themselves. Whenever their, their, their hate is, uh, when they're confronted by their hate and you put a mirror up against them, then they start talking about how they're victims. But also, those things are happening simultaneously alongside each other. One, that we, we're all victims, all Muslims are victims all the time. That, you know, we're always going to be attacked. I don't know if you were taught this as you were growing up as well, but you know, that Muslims are going to be persecuted all around the world and it's our job to defend our Muslim brothers and sisters. That was that's one thing you're taught all your life, and the other thing is that anybody who isn't a Muslim is is almost like um, the enemy, and you're going to be fighting them for the rest of your life. Yeah, okay. Those Th th those two things. I just like from from my perspective. I, I know you, you grew up in Pakistan. Like I, I was born in India. I don't know. Sorry, I shouldn't say. I know you grew up in Pakistan, but you speak Urdu, right? So my family speaks yeah, Urdu. Yeah. And and one of the yeah, you know, was, but one of the terms is always is ap logan. You know, you people. And so, yes. but it's not meant as like in English when you're saying, oh, you people, this and that, you know, it, it, it kind of has a derogatory sense, but in Urdu, it doesn't. I don't know if that plays into it, but I, I mean, it was the same thing growing up. My parents are like, oh, you don't need that many friends. You know, obviously didn't have Muslim friends because we didn't grow up 
in a Muslim neighborhood, but I think they yeah. tried to limit the, the amount of friends we had to yes, limit the, the, the bad influence. I mean, it didn't, it, they didn't limit in the sense, oh, you can't go out, but they were always kind of like, oh, you don't need that many friends, you know, like just, just yeah. keep it small. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I had one friend growing up, Gujarati, uh, who was also Muslim. And my parents really liked it when we hung out with him because, you know, well, he's Muslim. <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's these little, little things that it might not be taught to you, you know, sit down and here, I'll, t I'll teach you something. But it's, it's attitudes and things that you pick up growing up. I mean, luckily, my dad was not like that. Um, I remember at his funeral, there was a couple, over a couple hundred people. You know, mm. and a lot of them were Jewish. My dad had, you know, my dad was always inclusive. And, you know, he, even when he was in India, he had friends from all over. He'd never said, okay, I'm only going to have Muslim. And he thought that was a stupid way of living. But, you know, like yeah. I said, it, it's still there. there. There's still little things that come out. And, uh, you know, my dad read a lot of stuff about Israel and things. But then we would, you know, there was a movie that, that was coming on. And he's like, oh, it's just Jewish propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting, but then like, I guess it's hard because that's that's being ingrained in us, you know, all around us. We've got this idea of you can't be friends with the other. That other person is never going to be your friend. They're never going to be loyal to you. They're never. It's mm. it, that's constant. I remember not being not having many non well I had a lot of non-Muslim friends at school but they didn't come to my house none of my friends ever came to my house and the very first thing my my daddy my grand told me um so I remember this so crystal clear I don't know if I've told you this before uh or in the last podcast I might be repeating myself and I'm sorry if I am but um the first day of school my first day of primary school bearing in mind I would have been like four or five something that young my my daddy was finishing like Fajr namaz it was the first namaz of the day and I went and sat next to her because I used to adore my daddy and uh, she finished reading namaz, did her dua and then she turned to me and she was stroking my face as she was saying it she was like don't make any friends that aren't uh, don't make any white friends because they will lead you astray from your religion um, of course you know I went against it because most of my friends if not all were, were uh, white and English um, but like the thing is, these sort of things sometimes they're not they're not done in a horrible way. You know, for my daddy to sit there stroking my face saying that because she's genuinely concerned that somebody is going to take me away from my religion, like that was such a such a defining moment for me. I remember that so crystal clear today even. Um, so that's how that's how that sort of stuff is fed down to children and young people so it, of course in their adult life they're going to remember stuff like that that's going to that's going to be in their core um okay i want to ask you about that because my cousins uh my family moved to uh from india to montreal in end of 75 so the following year so maybe about 6 months later uh my aunt and uncle and my cousins from Karachi moved to Canada and they stayed with us for a little bit. Then they went off to the West coast of Canada and finally ended up in the States. So my cousins, you know, a couple of years older than me, uh, one was the same age as I was the other two, uh, all three girls. And the other two were a few years older than I was, but you know, for all intents and purposes, they grew up in North America, but now two of them who have kids don't want their children to hang out with non-Muslims. Now, one of them, uh, 
The younger of the two of his kids, she married uh, an American who converted to Islam. So she's a little bit more open about it because, you know, obviously her in-laws are not Muslim. Um, yeah. But the other one, it's like when I... Especially when they were younger, it was easier for her to control them. You know, it's, it's scary to think mm-hmm. that my cousin has kids in university. It makes me feel old. Uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, now I think they're, you know, they're a little bit more liberated than they have. But as they were growing up, you know, these cousins of mine who grew up in North America, grew up in areas that didn't have a lot of Muslims, you know, especially in the 70s in North America, there wasn't ghettoized uh, communities. And they're now telling their kids not to have Muslim friends, uh, non-Muslim friends. And it's just like, why do you want to, you know, it's damaging to your children because it's limiting who they can speak to. It's limiting their contacts in the outside world. You know, yeah. I'm sure it's the same thing in the in the UK as it is here. You know, yeah. the more people you have in your network, you know, finding work, going to a good school, all that helps, you know, with the people you know and who you you know who can maybe do something for you right i'm not saying be friends to use them but those little things help later on in life and you're but also you become a better person in terms of uh you you become a more loving and tolerant person because you when you're when you're forced to um accept people's differences you become a bit more flexible as a person as well you're not so rigid when you've only lived amongst one group of people and you only know one culture one set of ideas one way of thinking you think that any challenge to that is almost like an attack which is something that's happening with our communities now i think is massively damaging so for me on a very personal level i really do base like some of my political decisions and some of my um everyday decisions on how people accept me and my partner jack together so jack's white british i'm you know pakistani ex-muslim uh brown um and i i think the um communities that don't accept me and Jack as a package, I don't want to be a part of. That includes both white communities, brown communities, Muslim communities, ex-Muslim communities, uh, politically, any political party that has a problem with us. Because for me, cohabitation um, is is something that, that's a marker of progress. You know, learning to live together and love each other and care for each other is something that's going to help society move forward. And anything that's a hindrance to that, that wants to keep us in the dark ages, that kind of tribalism, I see as a threat to all, all of us, not just, um, not just me. I see it as a threat to society. Um, but I think... Um, I have I have little to no sympathy for those communities that want to keep us away from the society that we're living in. I just don't understand why you would come to a country and not want to interact with the with the remainder of the community and you just want to be in your own little bubble. When people first came over to Britain, there was a little bit, you know, I could understand it a little bit more because they were being attacked. Like Britain wasn't a wel- welcoming place. It, w- it was hostile and it was racist. Um, but now we're the racists. We're the ones that are hostile and we've got no justification for it. Oh yeah, I know. Totally. I mean, same thing here. I mean, I'm really happy that my father, um, when we moved, my uncles were living in 
a neighborhood that was starting to be ghettoized. Uh, it's because I mean the yeah. immigration is different in Canada than it was in Britain. Like there was no post-war, uh, you know, calling for immigrants yeah. to come and work and whatever. That we didn't have that. Um, but so my dad looked at it and said, I, "I didn't leave India to move my family into a little India. I, I want my my family to integrate. I want my children to integrate." But getting back on your the the, the mixed race thing, have you seen this stuff coming out of the? Uh, the the social justice left, and when I say social justice, I'm talking with a capital S, capital J, you know, <laughs> uh, the, not not the Martin Luther King, you know, con- yeah. you know, content of your character, that that kind of stuff. But like, it was articles in New York, it was an opinion piece in New York Times, I think a couple in HuffPo, and you know, yeah. maybe like some of the smaller ones like Slate and Vox and whatever, that mm. mixed race couples are wrong, and it's white people stealing black women or you know, women and men of you know women and men of color away from their prospective races and so it's a racist thing to have a mixed race, race baby and if you have a mixed race baby also then you're perpetuating whiteness and I'm, like i said like the anti-racism is the new racism like come on yeah. like, they're against i don't understand how that became um and I mean, I'm, I'm starting to not want to use the terms either, like left and right, because they've lost all meaning. But that was a, a left a left wing thing, right? Was integrate the races, everyone gets along, everyone's the same, regardless of color. But now it's yeah. it's it's the woke that are pushing this racist bullshit. Well, the left are the new Nazis, aren't they? Really, let's let's be honest, because the 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 fascists never wanted this. Uh, like racial mixing now like me and jack as a couple piss off so many people we piss off left right the religious uh conservatives our communities you know like soon we have we're gonna have no home anywhere where do we go uh i find it really disgusting that this idea that um because i I have to admit, I always felt like um, within our communities, um, obviously we know women are treated as property anyway, right? But beyond that, it was considered, um, there was this thing of, um, like uh, our men would hold, you can have sex with as many white women as you want, Uh, you're going to marry one of ours, right? Um, And nobody can touch our women. If they ever do that, you kill them. Right, you kill the girl because she's polluted, and then you kill the man too. Right, so those kinds of ideas existed, but beyond that, I feel like we are treated like land. So it's perfectly acceptable for our men to trespass on their land, but for them to trespass, uh, for their men to trespass on our land, that land is now polluted and should be burnt to the ground, and that's pretty much what they do. Um, but that those ideas haven't changed those ideas are still there now it's not an idea of the most conservative amongst us the left in accepting the worst ideas within our communities have adopted these ideas from them yeah and i mean like like you said i i I don't know what i mean i have no issue i shouldn't say i have no issue but i mean it's easy for me to deal with you know your when you say racist, your 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 idea of a skinheaded, jackbooted thug, right? I, I can deal with that. I can deal with someone calling me a packy. 
I know yeah. I know how to deal with that. But this benevolent bigotry that's couched in this, oh, we're trying to not be racist, but you know, you have to separate yourselves so not be racist. And it's like, you know, like like Black Lives Matter asking for segregated spaces on university campuses for people of color. Harvard yeah. just held a segregated graduation for students of color they had one that was they had your 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 regular graduation so you know the arts department the science department but then they got all the students of color together for a separate graduation ceremony just for them so this is racial apartheid from the left is yeah, it yeah and it's it's like when black lives matter put out the th- the calls for segregated dorms segregated spaces all the segregated stuff for whites and people of color the kkk applauded them yeah, 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 and they don't—they don't see—they don't, see, don't see what they're doing. So, Black Lives Matter. Did they? What? What? Did, what was their response to being applauded by the KKK? Oh, ignore it. It, it didn't happen. Okay, yeah, but, it didn't uh, happen. Course, but it's you know, like 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 you were saying. Okay, the left are the new Nazis or whatever. I, I'm giving up uh, on all of this stuff. It's. Yeah. I, I think you got. We've got to come down. I, I think you know. Oh, don't have a binary or whatever. I think we need. Okay, is it? Are you authoritarian or are you libertarian? And when I say libertarian, I'm yeah. talking about like the the political party in the U.S. Right? I'm talking about do you, you know are you authoritarian or do you want values of the Enlightenment? Because as far as I can tell, the values of the Enlightenment are the best ideas yeah. to date. And I obviously still need a little bit of work, but they're better than anything else we've had. And but you they're know, dying. Those ideas are dying. They're, oh. there's, they think that they think that they're unimportant. They think that this they're connected to white privilege, as if like no brown fucking person or no black person ever dreamt of liberty and freedom and equality. Where where I I, I know it's and it's like okay, they talk about Western values, and I understand, and I, I don't really have an issue with the term because they were nurtured in the West and they were allowed to grow for the longest amount of time in the West. But hmm. go back and read the Greeks, and then yeah. you know okay. I, I don't like the term the golden age of Islam, but whatever, it's, we're stuck with it, I guess. But there, <laughs> was, there were so many authors, you know, mainly Persians, who, yes. who you know, supported these ideas, and they're not yep. taught in the Middle East anymore. You know, it's a, it's no. illegal to discuss Averroes or or Al Farabi or Ibn Khaldun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, exactly. these are values that have been around for thousands of years and granted okay what the greeks had isn't the same as what we have now because the greeks still believed in slavery and only men were allowed to vote not women okay we've advanced these things to where it's more inclusive of everyone but yeah. now now coming from you know the left like i said it's, 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 it's i i have no time for left right liberal conservative because you know there's in canada there's 30 somewhat million in the states there's 330 million if you ask those populations the definition of left and right you're going to get 360 million different definitions you know it's, it's no but it's, it's either authoritarian or it's libertarian and yeah we exactly. can work uh actually I read this really good book recently called uh, the beginning of infinity by david deutsch and it was about how we accumulated knowledge um yeah. and i mean he describes it as dynamic and static thinking and yeah. you know any kind of authoritarianism any kind of dogma is static thinking it, it doesn't it, it's not going to change whereas you need dynamic thinking i mean you need a little bit of stasis but majority of it has to be dynamic thinking like that's why i've also changed the way i think about these things uh i used to think okay you know these are our foundation this is the bedrock of our liberties and i've gone past that i said if anything has a foundation it's the dogma it's a static it's it's a rigid foundation whereas you have to look at like i'm trying to i'm trying to get people or even myself anyways to look at the 
the liberal values, the values of the Enlightenment as as earth in a garden. Yes, yeah. it's it's there to allow other things to grow from, but it has to be tended very carefully. And it's it's easy to lose. It's easy to have it washed away. But if you care for it and you tend it and, you know, other laws and rules will start sprouting up. But if you get something that's completely an antithesis of what your foundational values are, it's a weed. Pull mm-hmm. it out, get rid of it. Let let the ones that let your society flourish grow. And then, you know, that earth can change and can move with the times. Whereas if you have a rigid foundation, you know, it starts cracking. It's going to break apart. So I, I think we need to start thinking of our, our laws in a different way. And um, yeah, you know, I, 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 like, I, I'm, I, I'm disheartened. Because I mean, okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm fifty, um, you know, so I, I don't have that much, don't have much of a fight left in me, I guess. But you know, like people are younger I'm, coming. Like, I'm feeling like that. I feel disheartened. Sometimes I want to crawl under a rock and just think, "Fuck it, I can't be bothered anymore." I genuinely thought the life was going to get better. Like Ricky Gervais said something wonderful. Wonderful. He said, um, "He's lived through the best of humanity," you know. Um, the last uh, 50 years have just been amazing until, you know, 65 till 2015 was wonderful. And now it's started to go back a bit. And I was like, yeah, it fucking has. I am so fed up of this, this unthinking. I've got no political representation. Like we have, we actually have an election on, uh, for uh, our European MEPs on the 23rd. So this coming Thursday, I'm literally going to walk down there and write, they are all cunts on our, my ballot paper because there is nobody who represents me. And I'm so ex- exhausted because there's no left, there's no right. They're all this disgusting mishmash of exactly the same, unthinking, immoral, selfish, like, you know, they're they're all thinking about their own political careers. There's no, not one person is doing any proper analysis like they used to back in the day. Where do we go? Where do we go? That's what I'm telling, that's what I'm telling people for the, there's a federal election in Canada, well, it should be somewhere around October. And, um, you know, I said, if if you're going in there voting for the lesser of two evils, don't spoil your ballot. Because at least in Canada, yeah. I know they count your spoiled ballots. Yeah, and then all, and also all my friends who sit on their asses and don't vote, I'm saying, get up off your ass and just go spoil your ballot. They're like, well, why? I, I don't like any of them. I said, that's why you spoil your ballot. You know, so yeah. if you have roughly 40% not voting and that 40% gets up and says, you know what? You've given me no good choice. Yeah. That will send a much stronger message than just sitting on your ass at home, not doing anything. And I, I mean, it's it's the same here. And it's it, it's these well-meaning, benevolent bigots. Like you had this thing in the States a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago. There was a bunch of Venezuelans protesting outside the Venezuelan embassy. And mm. um, Pink News, which is a gay and or LGBTQ newspaper. And, then a, yeah, yes. and then a whole bunch of other, you know, well-meaning lefties or whatever you want to call them came by and are telling these venezuelans that oh no no you're wrong you're you're supporting trump you don't know what's going on in your country and they're like i just left there i, I came from venezuela and i'm you know i've been here six months and and it's the same thing oh you don't know enough about islam and it's coming from a white person telling me that i don't know what islam is yeah. 
Yes, <laughs> I went to a conference about um, FGM and forced marriages uh, a couple of months ago now. It was in February. And um, uh, I got up and I was talking about how you cannot deny the religious foundation of these practices. I mean, the fact that you can marry your daughter by the time she has her second period. Like I was told, your first period is in your mum and dad's house. Your second period is in your your husband's house. There are some families that are going to stand by that. Um that it, you're, you're going to cause problems for yourself. There's four different schools of thoughts and four different hadiths that say that you that you should cut your daughter's genitalia. Mm-hmm. And then there was this uh, white woman stood sat behind me, white liberal. She was dressed in like hip, a hippie outfit, which instantly made me want to slap her in the face. <laughs> I was just like, you hippie bitch, fuck off. Um, so she was like, oh, no, 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 you don't know Islam. And I was just like, uh, excuse me? Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? How dare you sit there and tell me I don't know the religion that I used to practice? Obviously, she didn't even know I was an ex-Muslim. She, you know, for she knows I could have been a practicing Muslim, um, which I was previously. But um, yeah, this this um, this arrogance of the left that we know everything and you you don't know anything. But this is why I call it, now I personally think it, this is the modern white man's burden. You know, those savages over there don't know enough about themselves. They don't know how to protect themselves. They need the protection of our left. This is, you know, before the white man's burden was written by Kipling, who was quite conservative and actually a bit of a racist. <laughs> uh, a wonderful writer, I have to say. I love his writing, but he was a racist. Yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, it was right. Uh, okay, it's um, not. It's not fine that he's racist. You know, the the, the no, fact that you love his writing. I do like Kipling's writing as well. I think Lord Jim is one of my favorite books. Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he just—he was the most delicious writer, but he was a racist. And, um, but uh, now the white man's burden is from the coming from the left. You know this lefty, um, uh, this lefty responsibility that they've taken on of wanting to save all, all savages because they can't speak for themselves, they can't protect themselves. So we have to come in and, and defend them and preserve their their uh, practices, even if they think okay. they don't want them anymore. It's our responsibility, so we are going to protect them. Well, fuck off. Well, okay, that. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's what I was talking about, the benevolent bigotry. That's yes. what I'm getting at. Like it, like, like I said, uh, you know, a, a neo-Nazi calling me something, I, I know how to deal with that. You know, yes. and even, even like, you know, someone who is racist, um, who says, oh, we have to go in there and fix the problems these brown people caused. Yeah. I can kind of deal with that. But this lefty thing of, no, 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 no. We have to come fix your problems, but not only do we have to come fix your problems, it was us that caused them because you're too facile to have caused your own problems. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. fuck you. I'm I'm more than capable of, you know, screwing my own shit up. And I don't, yeah, yeah. you know, you but it, 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 yeah. it, it bugs me because like, I, I don't know how to respond to that. And it's, just, um, you know. Sorry, I, I cut you off there, but yeah. It's, it's... You're right. I feel exactly the same, word for word. I feel exactly the same. It's like when we talk about blasphemy laws in Pakistan, some well-meaning wankstain has to get up and say, you know, well, this was the fault of the British and the colonizers. So, you know, we ha- well, why are you derailing the conversation? I'm saying talking about uh, abolishing blasphemy laws. Why do you have to even throw that in? It's got n- this wasn't even a conversation about that. What is your problem? Do you have some kind of brain injury that you have to say that every 
single time. But um, in fact, that's not even right. So in India, yes, the British may have taken the blasphemy law. In Pakistan, it was they were they were rewriting their own laws, and it, sadly, it was not in the in the year of my birth, eighty six. They they were uh, discussing the blasphemy law. They um they had a life sentence for it uh, for it previously, and in one day they had like an emergency uh, parliamentary. Uh, debate about it and in one day you know in a country where it was taking years to write laws and create legislation it took them one day to overturn it from simply a, a life sentence to the death sentence that was done by the Pakistanis not done by uh, British lawmakers um, so there's there's some things that these well-meaning lefty you know idiots don't even know they don't think about it they don't care about it they're just so desperate to throw this in and this also happens as a fantastic academic she's a working class academic she, normally her issue is class issues and she was talking about the grooming gangs and she's she started this like game almost uh of every time there's a story that's released about you know pakistani grooming gangs are rife yeah. in the uk so pakistani uh, men represent 2% of the overall population of the UK, but they are about 86-87% of the um, perpetrators in grooming gangs. So there's two things. There's grooming gangs, they're the ones that, you know, um, exploit young girls and go after them and then share them and sell them, etc. And then there's, you know, paedophiles that are like one perpetrator, one victim, there's no sharing, it's not a big business to them. And they're largely white. They, those perpetrators actually represent the demographic of the, the, the UK. So, for example, 2% of them will be Pakistani because, uh, you know, 2% of the population is um, a, a Pakistani and then 80-whatever percent is white British, so it's representative. The grooming gangs are largely uh, Pakistani and largely Muslim and Bangladeshi, some of them. She said, every time a story comes out, wait for it. There's always one little dickhead who has to throw in there. What about white paedophiles? Every single time to derail the conversation from the subject at hand. And it's so, so counterproductive. What what do they hope to achieve? But I'm like you. I, I, I'm fine with like, you know, um, this. If somebody calls me a paki, or if somebody like does something like that to me, I'm completely capable of dealing with it all by myself. I have no problem with it. Either. Well, not that I don't have no problem with it. I just know what to do with it. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this left anymore. Yeah, and it's but it's like like these people who say, oh well, it's oh it happens in the white communities. It happens here. You know, if you're we're having saying- a yeah, we're not saying it doesn't. But if you're having a conference about let's say there's a, a conference about the, the grooming gangs, you know, there's a, a town hall or something, you know, you're discussing a very specific topic. You're not discussing, yeah. you know, pedophilia or uh, rape of little children generally throughout the yeah. UK. You're de- debating a very specific thing. And, you know, but th- they don't have anything to put on that topic, but they want to get their voice out. And it's, it's like... I don't know, a call for attention or something like they weren't hugged enough as a child. Oh, look at yeah. me. You know, like I, what about the white people or what about, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's, it's, yeah. And, and, and you know, like some of this stuff, it just, I mean, I hate their, their, the way they use the language, but you know, they talk about these things like lived experience or something like that. And then yeah. if you bring out your lived experience, it's not valid. Yeah, I know. And it's, um, 
what really struck me, and I mean, I, I've been talking about this for a while, but what when it really struck me was right after Christchurch. Uh, yes. Some yes. good friends of mine who you know, I respect and I've known them for a long time, yeah. they put out these things saying one was a pyramid, the other was a set of four sentences, uh, like four bullet points. And basically what it said was the pyramid had whiteness on the bottom and white supremacy on the top. And it said white, everyone who's white, your whiteness led to uh, the, the, the white supremacy and the, the killing in, in Christchurch. And then right after, you know, a month or so later, you had the thing in Sri Lanka. So I asked the two of them. I, I, I messaged them privately. I don't like doing it in public with people, especially friends. Yeah. Um, I messaged them in private. I said, okay, well, now, good. Do one where it's Muslimness and all yes. Muslims are responsible. And and they're taken aback. And in the same sentence, they hold the thought that it's whiteness and all white people, including themselves. Yeah. But no, 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 no. You have to delineate for the brown people. And it's, yeah. it's like, No treat everyone the same if you're going to say it's all white people responsible for that then you should be in the you should be in the insane camp that says all muslims are responsible for muslim terrorism exactly and all communities it's a fact this is no this is no revelation every community has its assholes and it has its good people even our ex-muslim community i'm sure you know exactly so every community this this um this behavior from the left is starting to leave a really bad taste in people's mouths and people are now feeling quite hostile towards them and rightly so because they they're not do, they're not serving any purpose other than it's like self gratification now isn't it like i have to say this because it makes me sound like a good person no you sound like a dickhead you yeah. sound like a cunt but the, i don't see from anyone any of the party that's supposed to be left, mm. any kind of real policy, it's everything is yep. buzzwords, and yes, and then I mean to counter it, you're starting to get from the right buzzwords, and yes. there's like no one's talking of anything of any meaning. It's it's I mean I said this in the '80s when they started when the PC crap really started coming out in the late '80s. Um, you it, know it, 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 it's it's Orwell. It's language without meaning. It's newspeak. You, yes, and it's. Yes. You know, I mean, it's too cliche now to say it's Orwell, but it is. It's, it's, it is. You're right. You're right. But the thing is also, like, um, people are getting fed up because right now we do have problems with poverty in the UK. And I'm sure you do in the Canada. Like, the class divide is so, so huge. People are crying out for somebody to actually do something to help them. And nobody is. Nobody, ha- nobody is giving any representation to poor people. They've jumped on this cultural bandwagon. And the thing is, in this country, people don't care for cultural issues. People still care for class issues. We were a very, very, you know, uh, in terms of cu- class politics, we were quite radical at one point. Um, so to have no party talking about those issues, they've got no hope, really. Absolutely none. Yeah, um, I interviewed recently, uh, his name is James Lindsay, and he worked with uh, a couple of their academics, one from the UK, Helen Pluckrose, and they did this thing called, um, they started calling them grievance studies, so all the like the, the diversity studies, the gender studies, and all that, they're coming out in universities, and they went through the documentation, they wrote a bunch of papers, they had five of them published, and they had another five or six waiting to be published, and then they got found out, because one of the papers they wrote was so insane. But I mean, they were speaking to sociologists. Like James was talking to me about uh, a friend, a sociologist friend of his, 
who was mm-hmm. telling him that a homeless white guy on the street has more yeah. privilege than a black lawyer or doctor. Oh my God! Are they fucking taking piss? <laughs> no, but no, because by the dint of them being white, and see that's the thing. Like whiteness is not. Um, at first, I thought they were talking about all white people. And that's what whiteness is not a thing of race. I could internalize whiteness because I'm perpetuating whatever they think I'm perpetuating, right? So, whiteness. Uh, I, I started jokingly calling it because uh, I just like I said, I just their, their language is so screwed up. I was like, it's the transracializing effect of problematic comments. So a person of color <laughs> makes a problematic comment, all of a sudden they're white, they're no longer a person of color, and you can treat them as badly as you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, yeah, like the, we have politicians who behave like that here as well, you know, that uh, white people on the streets have more power than them and they're in parliament making decisions and they still want to play victim. It actually makes me sick. And I think, well, if you feel like that, then maybe you should give up your job because, you know, it's not given you the power that you, you, you're so desperately craving. This is pathetic. It's pathetic to hear this, these disgusting, these dis- absolutely just disgusting ideals. I ju- I'm, I'm so grossed out by them. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, okay, I'm not saying we shouldn't help victims because there are people who are victimized by all kinds of things. But yeah. this giving, like, being a victim is a good thing. And to, <laughs> you know, no, but it, it, it's weird. Like, oh, well, I'm a victim because, you know, I'm... A person of color, like you know, I'm just talking about someone in general, not me particularly. You know, I'm a person of color. Uh, I'm, right. I'm disabled. I'm a woman. I'm I you know, LGBTQ, and I've got victimized of all these things. So my victimization is worse than yours because you're only just a person of color. It's like what? Yeah. It, like, it, when did we start giving? Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't treat them. I'm not saying we should treat them badly, but being a victim should not be made to be a virtue. It's it's not. No. You know, it's, it's something that happened to you that's horrible and it, it needs to be addressed, but you're not virtuous by the dint of the fact that you'd been made a victim. No, no. And it doesn't give you a right to shut down other people as well. Like lots of people, I think kind of oppression Olympics is starting to make me feel really angry now because everybody has issues. Like if, if I'm experiencing race hate and somebody else is experiencing class oppression that's white and I'm experiencing it because I'm brown both of our experiences are are, are valid experiences but that doesn't give either one of us the right to shut down the other person absolutely not and it doesn't mean that my experience is worse than hers or her experience is worse than mine it just means that we've both been through some shitty stuff and we should both support each other that we should both like show each other some solidarity and nothing more nothing less this kind of idea of some oppression being worse than others is ridiculous particularly now when actually um in our in our country in the uk if you're, you know, from a, a, a protected characteristic, you are more likely to be protected than if you're not. Like I said, so white British people from white British working class people do not have the same, uh, you know, special protection if they experience a race crime uh, as uh, somebody who is uh, Pakistani Muslim, for instance. And we know that the, you know, the grooming gangs. Approach, uh, attacked white working class girls because they're a bit rough and ready and in the law 
they're not going to be taken seriously. They're not, you know, no one's going to give a shit about them. They were kids, they were white, they were working class. Is that not a form of racism in itself? Uh, And racism? I know, like you said, it's, it's, you know, the the, the whole anti-racism thing is, it's it's driving me crazy. Like, uh, you know, the the whole, like, you know, oh, you can't be racist towards white people. Only, you know, only white people can be racist. I mean, to yeah. me, that's that is that is such a racist statement. Not off just off the top of it. Only white people can do this because you're you're doing it based on a race. But I'm sorry, but you know, as much as I don't like it, racism, bigotry, discrimination is part of the human condition. You know, we discriminate yes. from the time we're born. Oh, that's yes. my mother. That's my family. You know, and and then our group, certain groups are growing. And so you're saying, by saying that, you're saying that the brown people or people of color are somehow less than human. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, I'm sorry. I I have this. I've seen racism and bigotry from my side. I've seen racism and bigotry from all over. Yeah. Let's let's call yeah. it out. And like you said, you know, if there's you know, let's have a if we're gonna have a conference on the homeless, let's go have a conference yeah. on the homeless, and let's help the homeless. Like you know, let's do something to help them, right? Or or at least bring their issues to light. But when you're going in there, you don't have to start. Well, you know, what about all the black people who are being treated badly? Yes. Yes. You know exactly. It's the same thing with Islam. It's like, oh, well, you know, Islam does this. Oh, well, you know, what about, oh, you know, the Crusades? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's like, the thing is, these caveats that we're having to add, that we mean all religion, or we mean all, um, you know, all uh, misogynists and stuff like that. I find it offensive that people think that, um, that we have to keep adding these caveats. Like, uh, you know, when we're talking about... Um, uh, radical fundamentalist Muslims. The fact that I even have to say I don't mean all Muslims to me pisses me off. The fact that when I'm talking about uh, pedophiles, I'm, I have to say, you know, but I do know there's white pedophiles. It pisses me off that I have to add these caveats. Why are people that, I mean, like, is the general population that fucking stupid now that we have to add these caveats because they don't understand because they think that we're being bigots because we, they think we're being discriminatory it's ridiculous isn't it that we that these conversations are even being had now i don't understand it anymore i don't yeah. understand what, how people have become that stupid yeah it, okay but and getting back to the pedophile thing like okay i don't want to hammer this down but yeah like you said yo oh we're going to discuss the problems of pedophilia it's yeah. like okay Children are being raped. Do you really want to like turn this now into a discussion of is it more white people or is it more brown people doing it? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's children are being raped. Let's let's stop that. And then yeah. if you, you know, and then okay, if we can isolate that problem, curb it out, and say okay, you know, these types of rape happen in this community, and then you know, you're, you're talking about like okay, just one pedophile going after one child. That happens more with white people and the grooming gangs happens more with, you know, the Pakistanis and then this type happens more with whatever, right? You can yeah. you can then break it down and say, okay, we want to focus on grooming gangs. We know kind of where we have to go. We want to focus on this. We know kind of, you know, like what what groups to look after and stuff. And it's, it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's every single time and it's, it's sickening and it's frightening and it's stupid. I mean, like, I don't know how long you've been doing this. I was away from North America until 2014. Um, I left Afghanistan in December of 2013. Then I, before coming back, I wanted to take a little bit of a break because I'd been in war zones, disaster areas for close to 13 years. And I just took a little bit of a break, but I got back to North America in 2014. And that's when I really started using social media. 
Yeah. And I was looking at this and I was just like, okay, I haven't been gone that long. Like, when did it go crazy? Yeah. Like, wh- when yeah. did we start reinventing blasphemy laws? But like, you know, with hate speech and stuff like that. When did we, you know, when is it, when was it wrong to say that, you know, there's a problem of whatever, uh, there's a problem of misogyny in Islam. When did that become a controversial thing? Like, you know, it, it... I think this this started for me. This started after nine eleven, um, where um, uh, people. I mean, there were some some quite nasty things that happened after nine eleven, um, and I think then. There was there was unrest, and then people settled down. But people became more focused on their identities. I feel like that, perhaps. But also, just going back for a moment to the grooming gangs, the thing that pisses me off about this is that we've moved from the actual victims to perceived victims. So when we're talking about the victims of these crimes, we always end up going and having a conversation about those that could be potential victims because of these conversations, which to me is quite offensive. Like, why are you not just focusing just on the victims of these crimes? Why are we then now focusing that because of these conversations, there could be potential attacks against these people? Well, actually, I think in part you're responsible for that because you're saying that, that it, you know, these conversations are leading to these attacks well that might never happen you could just say if there are any attacks as a result of these conversations we will deal with them afterwards but we also need to deal with these conversations as well by derailing the conversation time and again uh, to potential attacks against the perpetrators you allow that space for those individuals that do want to attack these people as a result of these these disgusting crimes Oh, Um, sorry I, I just want to keeping the conversation focused on the victims. Sorry, carry on. No, I was going to say the same thing. It's 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 that it's okay. It's the same thing after a terrorist attack, right? Oh, how is this going to affect the Muslim community? Will there be a backlash against Muslims? Yeah. that's like within the first twenty four hours, you have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's okay. I mean, I, I'm not in the UK, obviously, but when I see it on the news or I read about it. It's the same thing. Oh, oh well, you know what? What will this do to Pakistani men? How will people treat them? And say, you know what? If you're a Pakistani man and you're saying, "How will people treat me because of what other Pakistani men are doing?" Clean up your goddamn house. Yeah, exactly. And you're showing a clear lack of consideration for the victims at that time, which then makes you an mm. open fucking target because you're showing that you don't give a shit what the, your your fellow men are doing to the people that you're living with, the people that you should care about, your neighbors, the people around you. You live with these people. You should care for them. You don't. All you care about is, A, yourself and repercussions on yourself because what your fellow people are doing. If you came out in solidarity with those victims after every single attack and said, you know, every, every time a story was released that um, you uh, the, uh, uh, of these grooming gangs and you just came out and said, we will not tolerate this in our community. And, you know, these are our friends, our neighbors. We love them. We care for them. This is not OK. Um, and we will do whatever we can to help rather than oh, what's going to happen with fellow Pakistanis now. This kind of um, claiming victimhood after some after you've just found out about other victims. You kind of yourself an, an open target. 
Yeah, and then there's the you know the white knighting from the you know the 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 social justice left who do the same thing. Oh well, think about the the victims in the Pakistani communities and this and that. It's it's like uh, I I started like again like I said I'm just co-opting their language and I just started calling it victimhood appro- appropriation. You know, like you, you bitch about me appropriating someone's culture, well I'm going to bitch about you appropriating someone else's victimhood. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's just it's starting to get a bit you know a bit boring and a bit mundane now like if you're not willing to help these people that are being affected by your community well why do you expect us to give a shit about how you feel then you don't give a shit about how these victims feel the shit that they're going through the the suffering that they're going through and their families are going through i'm kind of exhausted by it now yeah i know i mean i like i i don't know how you know talking about this and if you're one of these young girls, mm. you know, who is raped. Yeah. Like people are talking about you as a pawn in some, and, and I, you know, like I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to, but yeah. you know, it, it, once you start thinking along those lines, it's like, okay, am I doing it now? You're second guessing yourself. Like, should I, yeah. you know, and people who are like people like you or other people who want to help them, you know, we might get cowed into, keeping silent because it seems like you're using these people as a pawn or whatever and it just i don't know i i like we're, we're letting down the most helpless it's the far right in this country have used them as a pawn because the british national party uh mm-hmm. were the party that were um you know taking up this this issue for a long time but the they had the the left of this country made it easy for them you know these uh the the parents and family and community members of these victims were going to their political representatives and the political representatives and the police in this country refused point blank to help these girls to listen to their story to ensure that they got justice it took a fucking lot for that to happen so of course they left a massive chasm for the far right to go all right well they're not doing it Let's take this up. And then they managed to bring in lots of people. And I'm sorry, if the if the modern left are willing to have a conversation about uh, people, Muslims, being radicalized by Western foreign policy and, you know, wars on their fellow brothers and sisters over there, and they think that that's an acceptable justification for terrorism and jihad and Islamism or whatever fucking other language that they want to use, then they have to have the same conversation about the, the victims of the grooming gangs in this country and then their families, their communities, and sometimes even them being radicalized by the far right. That's exactly the same conversation from the other side. And if they're not willing to have that conversation, then they should shut the fuck up because they're betraying everybody in that in those situations on both sides. The conversation that one needs to have is about both issues from a left-wing perspective and give them representation on both sides, but they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to say that we should be living together peacefully and loving each other and not raping each other's daughters. They're not willing to say that what the what the, our country is doing abroad is not acceptable and we hear you and we're not part of that. 
Rather, what they do is pit West against East. Now, Western foreign policy in itself, the Western foreign policy isn't written by the average everyday Joe in this country. West, the, the, what the West is doing abroad has nothing to do with the average everyday person. To allow that to be used to pit us against each other is something that the left in this country have done. And they are so, so responsible for the hostility that exists in this country against one another. Yeah. Okay. The, I the thing with the you know, you're talking about the foreign policy. How is then how are the grooming gangs, uh, using you know how you can use like the how the right uses grooming gangs to radicalize people. I try to speak to some of my friends, uh, like along those lines because a lot of it they you know they just don't understand, and you yeah. know, they come to me as an expert and you know it's it's a, it's a pity for them because I'm a poor expert. But I explain to them like okay. <laughs> Look at the rate, like we had the gangs in the state, in the states, and also some in Canada. Not as much. Uh, Canadian mm. gangs are kind of a joke, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it's just polite gangs. Uh, but you know, we have. We- <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir, do you mind if I rub your fur? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but it's it's. But you had the gangs and the you know the the, the you know the Crips and the Bloods, and then you had the white supremacists. They were going to high schools and they were finding out the loner kids, the kids who were by themselves, who were vulnerable. And those are the ones they're recruiting. And I'm like, okay, if by creating this kind of thing, by doing these segregations, you're creating loners in mosques. You're kidding. Kids are going to mosques who don't, might not want to go there, might not fit in. But by creating this mentality of it's us against them, it's going in the outside world. So you are, they're ripe to be plucked because they're, you know, except for in their community, they're not finding any kind of, acceptance because you've pushed this you've told them that they're not accepted over and over and over again and this is coming from the people who are supposed to be fighting racism right and so you're leaving them open to be radicalized and to oh well go off and fight for isis because that'll give you a purpose you know yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it. We haven't created a very tolerant and, uh, and inclusive society. Although they claim that we have, they've never done that, you know, and that's what, what our starting point needs to be now. It, all right, fair enough. We failed up until now. But why not say, OK, let's let's wipe the slate clean and start trying to do that right now. But the, the trouble is, a lot of our uh, a lot of the left, they're so determined to say that they were right all along, not admit their mistakes, that I don't think we're going to move forward from where we are now. I think we probably do need to find that rock to hide under, Obed, unfortunately, because I think we're fucked officially now. I, um, yeah, I, but I mean, okay, the the whole thing was like, okay, well, the left is always looking for problems. That, uh, again, when I was speaking to James Lindsay there, we were talking about it, um, and then one of the schools, one of the schools here was uh, Evergreen, it was in the um, Washington State, so on the west coast of the United States, and they, uh, they had uh, it was a, it was a big scandal that happened in 2017. Now, their uh, their 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 enrollment has dropped. Everything's dropped. Mm. So if the university fails, mm. it's proof to them that it's the patriarchy and whiteness that, <laughs> that has caused it to fail. And if the enrollment actually picks up and the university does well, see, our solutions work. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like you know, yeah. they, like if you admit your whiteness, you're guilty. If you don't admit your whiteness, you're hiding it, so you're still guilty. You know, if you're accused of being a racist and you argue against it, that's proof of your racism. It, yeah. It, it, it's like what is this nonsense? I, yeah. I, honestly, yeah. I 
all these things we're talking about I really hate, but I think the thing I hate the most about these about this is the language. Like they're making me like I used to I I love reading. Um I might I might not be the most eloquent speaker, but I you know but I love the language. And yeah. they're making yeah. me hate it. They're they're just making me cringe when I hear some of these words. You know, like narrative was a perfectly good word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's You're like, right, right? <laughs> Oh my god, there's so many words that I hate now because it's modern, stupid left, like problematic, and uh, narrative's another one, just like there's so many words that I absolutely hate, intersectional, like even like something like inclusive, inclusive meant something good, now it makes me cringe. Yeah, me too, me too, oh my goodness, I'm exactly the same, but I, I, in all honesty, I have these... I have these moments where I just kind of I feel like giving up because I feel like this this childish pathetic um, this and they are all childish you know there may be some that are slightly older in the left but they're behaving like children when I saw on Twitter somebody had a disagreement with somebody and they said um, like and I know for a fact they were both on the left. It was just a political disagreement, and the the Corbynite lefty was like, um, "This person's uh, a bigot," so I have blocked and reported him straight away. And I was just like, "Yeah, that's right. The left can no longer have an adult conversation, and this is where it leads every single time there's a disagreement." Um, and sometimes I feel like, "Yeah, I'm I I can fight this," and then other times, and more often than not, sadly now. I'm feeling so exhausted by it that I can't, I, I don't feel like I can do it anymore. Um, and I, I feel like any time now I'm ready to just give up this fight and go and hide under a rock somewhere, you know, find or like find like a cottage somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi <laughs> signal and no phone signal and just give the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from because I see it too in people's Twitter handles and like people's, you know, like the descriptions of what you're blocked by so-and-so. It's like, Really? Is is that what you're proud of that you got blocked by? I yeah. don't know. Just pick any person at random. Like no, but I, yeah. I see where you're coming from with the, with the fighting thing, and that's why I, I think I changed my tactic uh, in middle of 2017 or so, yeah. and it w- it was because of I don't want to fight against you know Islam. I don't want to fight against the the, the 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 racism of the left. I don't want to fight. I'm I'm like you. Know, these are my values, and this is what I. You know, when I, I try to describe what I believe are my foundational principles and I'm going to defend those. So if there's anything that comes to attack those, I will defend my values. I find that at a much better way of going about it. I mean, I understand that, you know, you have to go out and you have to speak out against certain things. And, you know, what you do with the Council of Ex-Muslims of Britain, it's, you know, you have certain issues that, you, you know, you want to speak out about. And I am not taking away from it. But I, on a personal level, I just say, no, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time fighting these fights because there's far too many of them. I'm going to spend yeah. my time defending my values and I will defend them against all comers. And I, yeah. And that, that's, that's true. Like I, I completely understand that. I think on, on this fight for the left, I feel mm. desperate for it though. Um, and like I said, I kind of flip between wanting to fight and then not wanting to fight and just giving up completely. Um, but I feel like, um, if we don't fight for this one thing, then then all is lost because we're no none of us have representation. The thing is, 
some of us on the left will never vote for the right. Some people on the left, they hear the people, they hear people on the far right saying what they want to hear, and they think, well, that they're the option then. Um, and that's something that I don't want to see in this country. So I guess uh, I guess that's that's one fight that I don't quite feel ready to give up on entirely. Although ask me tomorrow, and I probably will be like, you know. Yeah, it kind of changes on it. it changes on an hourly basis sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, unfortunately, like okay, let's say someone like you ran for office, and you're yeah. bringing these things up. A, you're gonna get smeared as a racist from the left, but then you'll have people from the right who might start, you know, oh, stealth jihadi, you know, taqiya, yeah. all that exactly. kind of crap. And it's, exactly. you know, exactly. it's like so. Where where do you go? And that's you know. I've given up, and uh, again, I'm not someone with a huge platform or anything, but I've given up waiting for media and whatever to come out and speak to people. I mean, I know you've been on a few newscasts and stuff. You'll speak to us in, you know, like I think you were also on the big question or the question time at the in the UK, uh, on BBC. You know, like, let's not wait. Uh, you know, there are, we've got the internet, you know, we can create our own platforms and yeah. just start, you know, putting that out because... I, uh, yeah, this feeling of homeless homelessness and this feeling of what do I do? And this, it's just, yeah, it's tiring. And it's, it, you know, like I had a friend over this weekend, an old friend of mine, like I've known him since his second grade. So, you know, this is when we were about seven or eight and he, he knows me and he's talking about, he's, he's still trying to tell me that, oh, when there's an attack in Sri Lanka by Muslims and then there's attack on Christians in Egypt they're doing yeah. it for two completely different reasons. It has nothing to do with Islam whatsoever. It's 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 political. Yeah. Like no, it it does. I said okay, they might have problems with the politics, and they might have problems with the, with the economy, but it it comes from Islam. You know, like yeah. the, the reason. Okay, they could have attacked anyone because that group is hurting them or whatever, right? Like or denying them a job. But why did they attack Christians? And also in this, you know, in Egypt, for instance, like. Um, uh, non-Muslims are already a persecuted minority. What benefit is there from attacking them? How are they gonna How are they gonna get their message across to West Western foreign policymakers? That's it's just just crappy excuses. I'm sorry, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. I know, and it's just, it's just too much. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? Or, I, mean, I know we could go on for hours. Just <laughs> we can go on. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you have something else you want to talk about like 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 along these lines or if you want to anything you got coming up or uh, uh no so uh we have like a couple of events coming up with the emb we have uh we have our fast defying picnic on the first of june um is that on the first yeah that's on the first of june and then we have uh Oh, no, that might have been on the 17th of June. Hang on, I need to actually... No, that's definitely the 1st of June. <laughs> that was really bad. Um, and then we've got a few events in July, and we are currently fundraising as well for our LGBT um, events in July. So if anybody can donate, that would be really, really useful for us. It would really help us with our work. Um, but other than that, I don't think so. And thank you for a lovely conversation, as always. Oh, thank you. Uh, it was a lot of fun. All right, thanks again, Sadia, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll be back.